host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spoofy movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting the podcast that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hey there, this is Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast. Grindhouse Girls podcast what? Episode 49. 49. Um, yeah, how are you doing, Britt? I am tired. I feel like I say this every week and I am so sorry. Uh, it's like we, um, I, we are in a busy time of year for my company, but more than that, uh, the pandemic has made so many businesses, uh, unbearably busy. Um, yes. So yeah, so it's been nonstop at work. Uh, what about you, you, Katie? How have you been? I, I feel you. I'm personally pretty good. Allergies are absolutely insane still, but that's to be expected this time of year. I'm a little frustrated because I don't want to throw this particular business down the tube because I'm not sure if it's their fault or our local delivery service. Um, But I have been using a meal plan service, and I was really excited about it because it's like basically six meals because it's three two-person meals. But if you're one person, it's like I have like lunch and dinner four or five days a week so I'm like okay this is cool but for some reason they never deliver the day they're supposed to deliver so like I had crackers and cheese for dinner because I was expecting my box to be here got off of work like worked through my lunch break so I could leave work early so I could cook dinner and be on time for recording and it still hasn't gotten here so um do what have you been watching Britt? Um, I, <laughs> uh, we have continuously still watch Banshee, which makes, uh, <laughs> watching, uh, clips because I, I've said this before. Uh, so Anthony Starr, who is Homelander and the boys, this was his mm-hmm. show, um, that he did. And now it just mm-hmm. makes watching, uh, the boys even that much more funny, uh, seeing him play like such a stone face character and then like Homelander just going, <laughs> like just saying shit. Um, but yes. surprisingly, I really do like the show and I don't know why I like the show so much, but I, I, I continuously watch it and I'm on the last season now. Um, oh, uh, no. I've also, I know, I know, um, I've also watched Minari, um, uh, which I really, really like. Yay. Um, out of the Oscar nominated movies my mom's watched with us, Minari's her favorite. It's and so may cute. be mine. Yeah. I loved it. It was so cute. And like I said, I, I feel more strongly about Promising Young Woman. Like, I mm-hmm. think I connected with a little bit more. But I think Minari's beautiful. And um, Steven Yeun is so good. Everyone's so good in that movie. And it's such a personal, beautiful story. And it's beautiful to watch. So, yeah, I, I like the heart of Minari. I would be okay if it wins. I'm, I really kind of, I'm hoping it wins. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> was there anything else that you watched that was cool? You know what? I want to be honest. I want to say I think <laughs> um, I watched Minari. I watched more Banshee episodes. Um, I'm probably one of the only people in the world that continuously watches Family Guy as new episodes premiere. Oh, yeah. I uh, do not watch that anymore. Yeah. It, it's not good. Um, it is a slow <laughs> downhill. But I, I, I think after just like uh, 20 years of watching it, it's just like I keep watching it. <laughs> I've I've had that, which is not a slow downhill. It's actually yeah. gotten better. Um, but I have continued. I'm in the last season of Shit's Creek. Finally, mm-hmm. um, I really like it a lot. Um, and it, it it has gotten better every season. But like, I did not like any of the characters on Shit's Creek the first time I watched it, and like didn't watch it. And now I love them all. Um, but yeah, this is kind of like yeah, I just keep watching it in the background of everything. So I just it's very comforting. Um, I did, on your recommendation, watch If Anything Happens, I Love You. Oh. It, like, okay, because I knew that it was about grieving the death of a child from about two minutes in of the, what, 12-minute movie. Yeah. I started crying, and I did not stop until after the movie ended. (laughs) 
was so it was so distraught like it's so good everyone should watch it i think it's really good and there is like there is a little bit of social political commentary but it's so lightly sprinkled in there it's barely there at all and you could make the tragic circumstance anything and it would have a very similar message um so i highly recommend it's on netflix um i did start watching mank and i stopped because i was like it's Mm -hmm. cute i think it's cute gary oldman is you know solid okay so unfortunately our recording software messed up at this point so we are starting with the intro to relic which is the movie for this week um if it sounds a little disjointed that is why sorry about that guys oh i'm sorry Go you're ahead. Good. I'm sorry. Do that intro again because it may have cut out. No, you're good. Um, so we are talking about uh, the movie Relic, um, which is um, considered a 2021 film. Um, it is currently on Showtime uh, right now. So um, yeah, and that's our movie of the week. Um, yeah, this one was this one was hard. I I really liked it, but it was a hard movie. I watched it one yeah. time because I was so emotionally drained the first time it, I watched it. I did watch it twice. I honestly, the first time I watched it, I loved the middle to end, but the beginning was very slow moving for me and I lost interest very easily. Mm-hmm. And then it hurt, hit a certain point where it had my interest the rest of the film. Um, so when I rewatched it, it moved a lot faster, but I will say it's a slow mover. It's a slow burn. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a long movie though. No. So, but yeah. I think it's, I like the message of this movie and I like uh, what it says and having a personal experience with a grandparent going through dementia. Um, I, like, it hit home. It was very honest. And yeah. um, it is based on the writer and director's personal experience with her grandmother suffering from Alzheimer's. And um, the the short film is like, it's like a very short version of this movie. It doesn't get as scary there's just a couple moments of suspense. And again, it's only like nine minutes long. Um, but there's a lot of visual themes that um, came back for this movie. And so you can tell that she was kind of testing everything out. Um, but um, yeah, it's I really like it. I, I can't wait to see more stuff from her. Um, this was her first feature film. And the next movie she's working on um, kind of deals with um, Japanese folklore and horror. Which I'm kind yeah. of excited about. Also, like, cool that I didn't know this was an Australian movie until I started watching it mm-hmm. at all. Which, so the director's Australian, Japanese Australian, but Australian. Um, the uh, Bella Heathcote and Robin Nevin are both Australian, but Emily Mortimer is actually British, but she does a pretty good Australian accent. I gotta say, I was like, I was thinking, I was like, is Emily Mortimer Australian? And I just didn't know that. Uh huh. But yeah. yeah, she's she's British. Yeah, um, there's only three main actresses in this movie, yes. but they they carry the weight of the entire film, and they do it pretty beautifully, I think. Yes, and they cast Edna first, mm-hmm. is what the director said. By the way, she has she actually has quite a few interviews, surprisingly, for it being 2020, and um, it just being crazy, life being crazy. Um, but she did have a lot of really good interviews, and um, she kind of based her casting off of Robin Nevin. Um, who, by the way, apparently played Counselor Dillard in the Matrix series, which I don't remember much of the Matrix except for like, you know. I was surprised things. because, like, watching this movie, I just kept looking at her faces. She has one of those beautiful faces. Like, she's elderly, but she has mm-hmm. like a beautiful face and uh, beautiful eyes. And I kept feeling like I knew her from somewhere but then going down her list of IMBD I did not recognize hardly anything like I know I've seen the Matrix but I mean that's not where I knew her face from I kept feeling like I knew her face I couldn't really place her either I don't know if maybe she just has a familiar face or if like I said maybe the Matrix is more embedded in my brain than I thought it was Mm -hmm. Um, but I really have only seen I've seen the Matrix a couple times I wasn't wasn't my cup of tea I'm gonna be honest it looks cool but honestly the acting's just kind of hokey. Yeah. And I don't I don't love The Matrix. Sorry, guys. Uh, sorry if you love The Matrix, but not my cup of tea. So I was like, maybe that's just why I don't know. But Emily Mortimer has done a lot of, a lot of things. She was in, she played Jane Banks in the new Mary Poppins reboot, which was surprisingly cute. 
And she's also Sophie Hatter in the dub version of How Moving Castle. She is. She's, I love which, Sophie. I love that movie now. Like, I honestly, I mean, definitely um, Spirited Away, like, touched my soul. Like, I cried a little bit watching it. Um, but I really loved How's Moving Castle. And it's just so sweet. It, like, it was so sweet. And also Christian Bale's sexy voice. Yes. Um, when he's not yelling at people on the studio set. <laughs> Terminator Genesis happened like 16 years ago. We're never going to let him live it down. I so. mean, why would you walk? What were you doing, man? It's the, actually, Family Guy does a really good version of that, where they just insert Peter Griffin as the guy going like, what? What do you mean? Um, yes, but it's a great movie. And yeah, she, so, and then Bella Heathcote has already been in a movie that we've covered. She was in the Neon Demon. She was in the Neon Demon. She also... Um, was I thought this was funny because we've talked about Pride and Prejudice. She was Jane Bennett in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And Zombies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I have I bought that book and I have yet to actually watch it. Oh, and I forgot she was Leela, the crazy stalker ex-girlfriend in the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy. Oh, and get this, she's also yeah. uh, Olive Bryne and Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, which is, yes. um, yeah, based off uh, the Christian. Yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't, but I've always it's, wanted to. It's, I watched it. I was very curious about it. Um, it's a cute movie. I will say I've looked into their actual history. So in the movie, they're very, they're very purposeful. The fact that they're married and Olive became like the third person in their like relationship they had a polyamorous relationship but their children more say like ah we never really saw the two women have a loving relationship they were more best friends and it was more of they both had a relationship with the husband who's the guy that went on to create wonder woman the character yeah and also there's some bdsm thing they get into and that's why wonder woman has like a lasso and things like that they definitely dramatize in the movie, but it's it's a nice movie. It maybe made it a little too much about the sex part, in my opinion. Like, I think that was the pull to get people to watch it. Like, they made it very much about the sex part of it. And I was like, I mean, that's not really what it was about. They were a family. Who cares what kind of family they were? They were a family. Yeah. And that's the important part. Uh, <laughs> do you have a synopsis for us? I do. It's not my strongest synopsis, but I I, I, I did write one. Um, and it's when elderly Edna disappears, it sends her daughter Kay and her granddaughter Sam back to the family's decaying country home. However, when Edna suddenly reappears, Kay's concern about where her mother may have been is pitted against Sam's enthusiasm at her grandmother's return. However, as both women sense a change within Edna, they also start to realize there may be something else in the house. Da, da, da. That's yes. about it. I like it. I think it was yeah. a good summary. Thank you. So, uh, I guess let's let's get into spoiler territory. Yes. Um, would you recommend this to a general audience? What is your feeling? Um, I don't know about to a general audience. So, um, I have a friend, and um, and I I will be honest with our listeners, Kitty. You know this. Um, these kind of things hit home with me because I have a mother, um, who who lives with me, who's who's not in good health, and my mom's lived with me for a while. Um, and so I think this touched a lot of nerves, um, just because of my yeah. own relationship with my mom. Definitely. I have a, I have a friend who, um, grandmother had dementia and she was very, very close with her grandmother. I think some people may find this kind of movie cathartic. I think other people may find it traumatic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a very fine line to walk. Like, I would definitely recommend this movie. I really like this movie. I really... Uh, it, it touched a nerve, but I kind of enjoy those viewing experiences. But to a general mm-hmm. audience, I couldn't say I, I would, actually, to a general audience. Yeah, I would say, and my grandfather had dementia before he passed away, and it it, it was not fun. Um, yeah. So I did see a lot of echoes of that. There was a, I think that's why I liked this movie, even though it was a little slow moving, because it was very honest with... yeah how how people react to this kind of situation and the director even said it's it's about grieving the loss of those who are still with us like yeah that's the worst part about dementia and alzheimer's and memory diseases is that 
the person's still there, but then they're not there. And it is so hard when they don't recognize you or they call you by the wrong name, but you know that they're not doing it on purpose or you should know they're not doing it on purpose. Um, and I think that's the hard thing is just like, they're just as frustrated as you are. Like they're, they're in a prison of their own mind basically. And it is just, it's really awful. And it's just like, it's just, it's just awful. And like, I just remember my mom, like she, her, every time we would go visit my grandparents, cause they lived in a different state, but my mom's a nurse and she has taken care of a lot of people and she has dealt with a lot of people with memory issues. And so she, she knew what she was doing. And so whenever we would go visit, which was pretty frequent when he was getting sicker and sicker, um, she kind of took over the caretaker role. And it was like, she just, I remember her just calling him sweetheart all the time, more like a mother than a child. And it was like, I mean, it's both heartbreaking, but it's also just like my mom's such a strong person and just taking care of your parent is such a strong and amazing thing watching my mom take care of my grandpa and i as a i tried to help as much as i could but you can only do so much especially as a grandchild um yeah but you know like her just taking up and it's just so sweet my mom's so strong and my dad's so strong honestly my dad was like so supportive too and because his dad died when he was pretty young like he was in his 30s when his dad died and so like they've already you know so they've already grieved a parent together which is not fun and taking care of a parent is really hard but yeah it's good i think it's good i think it's well acted it is very slow moving so i would say maybe not a general audience but i think mm-hmm. it's a really well made movie and i think if if you if you want a sad depressing thing to watch in just a couple hours this is it yeah this well yeah ticket. an hour an hour and 29 minutes yeah yeah very short watch Yes. Okay, I guess I guess we're going to go into spoilers then. We are. Um so we we literally open up the movie and there's like a bathtub overflowing and uh it leads downstairs and we know it's Christmas time because we see there's a Christmas tree and Edna's standing there naked just staring at something and in the dark and I love we kind of the lights in this. Yeah. Yeah. The exactly. lights are like flashing and it's almost like you don't really know why the lights are flashing. It's like a warning. And it's just the visual is so strong in this movie. It is. And I completely agree. And so when you see, just like, it's almost like the way they film it, it's out of the corner of your eye, you see something move mm-hmm. too. And so, mm-hmm. and that's the opening shot of the movie. And so we, 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 we don't know how much later it has a last, but we know it's been, we know that this scene was at night. And the next thing we see is daytime. And her daughter, Edna's daughter, Kate, is um, driving. She's been alerted by a neighbor that he hadn't seen her mom in a while. And so, um, and Katie, you can stop me if I'm kind of mixing film events, but she ends up going to file a missing person report. And so when she's talking, yeah. I do think it's important to note. So they go to the grandmother's house Mm -hmm. first. They go to Edna's house first. Um, There's a couple weird things about the relationship, which, so Kay calls her mom, mom, um, but Sam calls her mom Kay, her first name, which was a little weird. You can tell there's some kind of rift in their relationship. Because it would be one thing if they all called each other by their first name. Because some families traditionally are just like that. Like, they don't care. But I feel like if the grandmother, you call her Gran, and you call your mom not mom, kind of seems like maybe there's a rift there. So there's a little bit of a rift going on. There's also, like, a franticness to Sam's character, Bella Heathcote's character. Um, because she is very much like grand, 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 like very frantic about trying to find her grandmother. Whereas Kay is very like solemn and worried, but very calm. And there's a scene where they're looking through the house before they go to the police and they go to her bedroom and, uh, Kay makes Sam wait because she sees like a lump in the bed and she's, in my opinion, fully expecting to find her mom has passed away in her sleep. And that's why, so she's, like, preparing herself for that. I think that's what she thinks going to the house is that her mother has passed away, and that's why the neighbors haven't seen her. And then it's just a a lump of blankets. And so she's very relieved, but, like, you know, she's almost already grieving from the minute the movie starts, whereas Sam does not want to let go of her grandmother. So just mentally, they're in different places. And I think that's very true to a grandchild versus child reaction to an aging parent. 
So, but go ahead. They go to the police station. Though. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah. And I agree with all that, all that you said. Um, but she files a missing person report, and so they're trying to figure out the timeline of like who last spoke to her, and that's where it comes out. She hasn't called her mom in like three weeks, and uh, yeah. yeah, which is not good because her mom lives in this larger house by herself. There's obviously some memory issues because she she basically kind of throws it off like, oh, she's pretty self efficient. The the house over like the bathtub over flooded last christmas but other than that there's not really any issues so she's also trying to defend herself but you can tell there's yes. guilt there's guilt there because yeah, she's even hesitant she does mention yeah. yeah she does mention oh you know she just forgets things it's just old age she just forgets things yeah and she's very hesitant she, mm-hmm. she doesn't like to admit that it's been three weeks since she's called her elderly mom like you can tell yeah so especially like i think when you're an only child it probably Maybe the pressure is more on, or maybe the only child that's responsible, depending on your family structure, like, I think the pressure gets on a lot, you know, when you're the only one, because it is all on you, and, you know, it's, it's obvious that the grandfather has already passed on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do, I did forget to mention, you do see this, like, foreshadowing of this really pretty, um, stained glass window in the house. Which I think is probably, like, one of the cool visuals. And while they're looking through the grandmother's stuff, trying to wait for her to come back, they um, do mention that the house was built from parts of an old cabin that used to be in the property. Yeah. Too. Which comes to play later. Yeah, definitely. And so I think it's after this scene that uh, Sam ends up talking to their young neighbor, Jamie. Um, And she obviously, like, maybe at one point in her life lived in the house because she seems to be very comfortable with Jamie. So it's obviously, like, maybe when she was younger and he was younger, they were neighbors and Sam lived in the house with her grandma. But he mentions that he's not allowed to... uh, visited. I think maybe they just... She probably visited a lot. Yeah. It sounds like they were pretty close. Yeah, and I didn't know if maybe it was something, because I know when my parents divorced the first time, I actually lived with my grandmother for a short while, and oh, her okay. par- her mom and dad are separated, so I didn't know maybe, like, even during divorce, they stayed there, like, when mom was trying to get off maybe. her feet. Because there seems like she had a very close relationship, and you can have that kind yeah. of relationship visiting with your grandparents, but to me, it felt like maybe she lived in the house at one point. I would say I visited my grandparents regularly. Yeah. When- Every Christmas, every summer, sometimes more. And there were people in their neighborhood that mm-hmm. I was grew very close with. And, like, my cousin Megan lived in their neighborhood. And so, like, she – we, were, I mean, we're still pretty close, honestly. Yeah. Like, we don't get to see each other very often, especially with COVID. But, like, Megan is probably the cousin I'm closest with because, one, we're closest in age. But I saw her every time I saw my grandparents. Like, we would just hang out. So I feel like that's the kind of relationship I got. But maybe that's because I have a different grandparent experience, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, they, they don't specify. So who – they? but they're obviously familiar with one another. Oh, yeah. Because she's like, when did you turn 18? And it's pretty – because he asked her for a cigarette. And she's like, hmm? And he's like, oh, I can. I'm legal now. And she was like, oh, okay. So it was, it's kind of cute. I like the kid that plays Jamie. He seems really good. I like him. He is really, really cute. He does mention, though, of course, which is like, you, it's like one of the first ominous things to happen in the movie, mm-hmm. other than the beginning, is that like he's not allowed to really visit Edna anymore. And he doesn't elaborate why to Sam. And Sam's like yes. thrown off completely. Um, yes. So that's like kind also, of. Also, they do have a search party for the grandmother, too, in the woods. Oh, yeah, you're right. They do. Yeah. yeah. They do. Which, I mean. They've got some kind of creepy visuals. Also, there's a bunch of, like, little jump scares in the movie. Like, scene transition jump scares. Which, I'm very on the fence of whether I loved them or hated them. Yeah. So. (laughs) And this is, like, this was actually, so, um, speaking of visuals, this movie was so strong visually. And especially with, like, um, the horror elements. Because that, the night of, Kate Kate has nightmares. And the nightmares of, there are, like, this old and rotting corpse in this small house in the woods. And it's, like... Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It kind of scared me, like, just watching it. Like, I was really unsettled. Yeah. It was not. It was very creepy crawly. And basically, she sees her... In one dream, she sees, like, this older man in the window. And then we get the story about how, like, well, there was this old cabin in the woods when your grandparents inherited this home uh, or the property. And they used 
the old rotting house to build some of this house. So, you know, kind of like the past infecting the present kind of theme. They also, she also briefly says like, yeah, I think my great grandfather actually lived there and it doesn't seem like anyone really took care of him and he, he had memory issues. So also hereditary memory issues, which is probably the worst part about dementia and Alzheimer's is it's generally hereditary. So you take care of somebody knowing that you, this might be you in the future. It's, I don't know. I hate, I hate all kinds of memory loss problems. It just sucks. Um, but it is very creepy and, um, it's very strong visually. And she's Um, like so scared too, that she literally gets up and crawls into bed with her kid. Like she's like, she just gets up and crawls into bed. Just go to sleep. It's fine. And then they, um, they have a little more recurring about the flashing lights. Um, and then all of a sudden she has another nightmare and she sees her mother in the window. And then when she wakes up, she hears the tea kettle going and like, I was like tea kettle. And then it starts going back off. And then her mom's just in the kitchen, like nothing's wrong. And she's just like, mom, where were you? And she's, she says mom, cause it's Australia, but mom, where are you? And she was just like, Oh, you want some tea? And she's kind of like muddy. Yeah. Her feet are a little dirty, but, like, she seems fine. She's, like, in a robe. So, and she's just like, okay, this is fucking weird. Um, and Sam's just like, oh, Gran, I'm so happy you're here. And she's just fine. And, like, the thing is, like, it's almost like she puts on a show for Sam. Because she's very, like, clouded over when she talks to Kay. But when Sam comes in, because it's her granddaughter, she kind of lights up and, like, kind of, like, almost puts on a show a little bit mm-hmm. um which i think is very true to how a lot of people act around certain people in their family because they don't want them to know what's going on yeah um and I-, I thought there was a scene where um she calls i think the doctor Kay calls the doctor to come check in and yeah. i will say something very strong about this director it's just a scene where she's calling the doctor, but the way she films it behind these like frosted glass panes where you can just see the shadow of Kay talking was so interesting. Yeah. Like, there's nothing filmed that's like boring in this movie. Like just a phone call is just an interesting scene. And I think that's a mark of a really good visual director is like you make scenes interesting by focusing on different things or like framing them in a different way. You know, which, or, like, you give people something to do. Like, there's a confrontation scene where, like, somebody's peeling potatoes. It's, like, because that's what would happen in real life. Is like, yeah. Like, making dinner and having a conversation. Um, so, I just think that's so strong to her. Yeah. And the doctor comes and does, like, a, a health check. And she's, like, wow, you seem great. Asks her a few questions. She's answering them. She's walking fine. But she's got this weird bruise on her chest. And it's very dark. Which, when you get older, you bruise a lot more easily. Yeah. I will say. But it's it's pretty significant. And Kay kind of just, I mean, sorry, not Kay. Kay, Edna just kind of brushes it off and is just like, oh, no, it's, it's nothing. I must have just, I'm clumsy, you know. Yeah. But it's very, like, it's very ominous. But, like, right even visually, it's like because we see, like, black molding in the house, the bruise mm-hmm. is very much the same color, the same shape yes. as the molding. So you're, like, instantly, yes. you're like, that kind of looks like the molding in the house a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Bella Heathcote's character goes, Sam goes into a closet when they're looking for a grandmother, and she finds, like, black mold, but doesn't really say anything about it, which I found kind of weird. Yeah. I'm like, I would immediately be like, ooh, spray some bleach on this shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's me. I don't like mold. (laughs) Yeah, it's not good for you, for sure. Um, After this, Kay uh, starts to talk with Sam about how she has an appointment to meet with a retirement home, and of course, that really upsets Sam. Like, she does not like this idea at all. Yeah. And um, I think that that scene, and I already mentioned it previously, but she does, she goes and visits a retirement home. And then there's just this really powerful scene of Kay just, like, sitting in her car crying. Yeah. Afterwards. Um, And Sam, and I thought about doing this with my grandparents, too, but it wasn't feasible. Like, Sam offers to, like, move in with her grandmother. Because Sam's kind of between jobs and... Um, not sure if she wants to go back to university. So she's like, why don't I move in with you, Gran, and take care of you? And the grandmother, I think, yeah, this is before that. The grandmother the night before had very sweetly given Sam her wedding ring that she doesn't wear anymore because it doesn't fit her anymore. And Sam's wearing it. 
And they're having a conversation about her offering to stay with her. And then all of a sudden, her grandmother kind of switches after a very cute scene of them, like, dancing to some old-timey music. It's oh, and this scene got me, too, because she's, yeah. she literally says, Kay, come dance with me. And Sam's like, huh? And she's like, Sam, come dance with me. So it's like yeah. she corrects herself. And it brought me back yes. very vividly to this moment where my great-grandmother, my mother's grandmother, did have dementia near the end of her life. And I was like seven and I walked into her room and she, they had a hospital bed set up in the, her bedroom in the house. And she looked at me so clearly and said, Sally, I'm so sorry. I haven't baked the cookies yet. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I do. That was, yeah. 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 That was, and that's more like it. Honestly, that's what happens. Cause when you're, just in the beginning of it, you can kind of correct yourself, but eventually yeah. it gets to a point where you can't, and it's, yeah. Um, but they have this very sweet moment where they, they do have a good time, and they're, like, dancing, and then she offers to move in, and, yeah, you know, she starts thinking about it, and she's like, I don't know, that's kind of stupid, and then all of a sudden she's like, wait, you, you're trying to steal my ring from me, and, like, they kind of have a confrontation, and you see later Sam looks at the finger, and, like, it's bruised yeah, her yanking it off of her finger, um, so you know that, you know, Sam's starting to realize, oh, yeah, this isn't just, she needs a little help. Like, she really needs a lot of help. I think that's the hardest part. Yeah. A parent or grandparents going through that is realizing that just you helping out isn't going to fix it. Um, but the best thing you can do is be there for somebody when they're going through something like this. Um, and I think... So we we come to the scene where um, Kay finds Edna sleepwalking, and so she oh, leads yeah. her back to the bed, and um, Edna's concerned there's something underneath the bed, and this is actually like mm-hmm. a very frightening scene. Like to me, it was yeah. so scary, and because Kay Kay looks under the bed, and it's kind of like when you're you, you you're you're looking at something at night, and it's almost like it's my brain playing tricks on me. But she's looking, mm-hmm. and the harder she stares at something, the more she realizes something is breathing under the bed. But Edna, whether she purposely does it or if it's accident, it's debatable. But she knocks her um, notebook on the floor, and it mm-hmm. surprises Kay, and Kay thumps her head. It hits her on the head. Yeah. yeah. So it's a pretty big book too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, and she's like, "You did it on purpose." She's like, "What? No, I didn't." And um, yeah, and she's kind of pissy about it yeah um which you might uh, that may have happened before the retirement home but whatever it's fine um and then let's see so we do then Kay starts having those nightmares about edna being in the cabin i think is the next thing yeah and um now sam catches edna talking to herself next and so they're they're kind of, you know, they had said something before. Kay was like, Sam, you need to be on the same page as me about all of this stuff. And so they're kind of getting on the same page where they're both realizing. Um, and Sam finally goes and um, she kind of realizes, oh, this is, this is really serious. And uh, Edna kind of kicks her out of her room when she asks her, like, hey, who are you talking to? And she gets really mad. She's like, this is my house. This is my room. Get out. And there's this really cool visual where Sam's running down the staircases and they're like very long spiral staircases kind of descending into the chaos of the whole situation. And she runs over to Alex and Jamie's house. Jamie's the neighbor. Alex is his dad. And finally asks him like, hey, what happened with Jamie and Alex and or with Jamie and Edna? And she's like. And Alex is like, yeah, so they were playing hide-and-go-seek, and Jamie used to stay at her house a lot, and um, she, he got locked into a room that only locked from the outside, and Edna forgot they were playing hide-and-go-seek, and when I came to go see where he was when he didn't come home that night, she said he wasn't there, but I could hear him screaming, and, like, he had, like, he had, like, paint chips under his fingernails because he was trying to get out, and he was trapped. And so he's like, so we've just been kind of, like, keeping our distance. And that's one of those things where, like, she's so, like, Sam's, like, embarrassed and sorry that he had to go through that. But also, like, oh, this is really not a good thing. Yeah. And then the next scene, honestly, is one of the most beautiful monologues in this movie. Yeah. Which is Edna. Edna is, like, burying something in the yard. And Kay goes out and ask like sees that she's trying to bury this old photograph album after she and, like eats pages from it so like she's eating yeah. it too 
Yeah, it's just, and then she kind of just, Edna breaks down and has this beautiful monologue about just losing everything and, like, how she just wants to be herself again. And Kay's like, I know, and I'm here for you. I'm here, and I'm going to be here for you. And she's like, you can move in with me. And so, like, she is taking the responsibility, and she's trying to be there for her mom. And it's it's actually, like, a very lovely, touching scene. But this is really the last time we really see Edna. Yeah, and I think that's what kind of makes it so tragic is that um, I don't think this is going to be spoiling the ending in any way, but I, I think we can say um, that there there is what we know for sure is the metaphor for what the movie's about. And then there's also yeah. the background. The, the second plot line is that we really don't know what's going on with the house. And yeah. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't know. We can speculate. But I almost yeah. felt like Edna was trying to, in this scene, I don't know if you agree with this, but she's trying to bury the photo album. And I feel like she's trying to hide the other family members from the curse, like from the dementia or the Alzheimer's. Like maybe if Quite she hides, possibly. yeah, if she hides them away, because we know it's a family thing because of the great grandfather. And maybe she's thinking yeah. if she hides them that the curse, whatever it's in the house, dementia can't touch them so yeah it's very this is the another like thing that a weaker part of the movie mm. is they're not really clear yeah with whether like the mold growing in the house because you see more of the mold as it gets more chaotic and as and his mind goes if it's more of a symbol or if it's causing because the other thing is like maybe you know people have had mental issues when exposed to like toxic mold so, like, yeah. is it the toxic mold? Maybe that's why her grandfather had memory problems because he was poisoned, you know, um, by the mold because he was living in that rotted house. And then they used the wood from that house and some windows from that house Very in true. the house. Like, or is it is it completely physical? But then at some point the movie kind of goes off the rails. Yeah. And then I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what's happening. So I don't, I don't know if I, I'm, a, that's probably the part that I'm kind of, annoyed with is that it's wishy-washy i kind of wish it had either like fully embraced it or completely made it symbolic i feel like maybe the director wasn't sure what the right choice was so she just kind of like left it up in the air which the rest of the movie's powerful enough and the message is powerful enough that it's okay but like that was probably i was a little bit like so is it happen is this stuff really happening or is this symbolic yeah i'm not really sure what we're supposed to think um because the next part is where it gets kind of mind bendy because sam goes through the door that only locks from the outside and finds like that the house kind of has a back end to it that doesn't fully open up so basically her walking through that part of the house sounds like all these bangings that they've been hearing throughout the house that they were just like "Ooh, that's a weird creepy banging noise and start hearing it and this is going to be like very quick but this part actually reminded me um there's a there's a hard novel i've always heard about always wanted to read but it's it's a massive novel called house of leaves and it's about the oh, house I've heard of that. yeah it's about the house constantly changing and i didn't know i i kind of was like oh this i've never read house of leaves but this part very distinctly remind me of house of leaves hmm. i also heard a, a critic uh, compare it to like Alice in Wonderland, like oh. going through the looking glass, which the director was like, I was not thinking of that at all. So, but that's cool. <laughs> she was like, whatever interpretation you have, I think it's cool that Fair people enough. have different interpretations. She was very cool about it. She was very chill. Um, yeah. And so she, especially the part where she's like, cause she's, first it's just like a house and she keeps finding more and more post-its because Edna's been writing post-its oh, for God. Like, take her pills and you see just a couple and then you just start seeing a bunch and at first it's like it's like normal stuff and then it's like really heavy shit yeah and it's like who are you what are you i think where the, are you coming from i think and the, then the handwriting gets more childish yeah and more desperate as she goes further and further into this part of the house and then she can't find her way out and yeah and that thank you for reminding me because i think the first two post-it notes i kind of saw that kind of like make me made me suck my breath in was that it's like my mother's eyes are green yeah which i mean I know. My name is Edna. It's so sad. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's so sad. No, it really is sad. It's really sad. But again, I feel like, I think I told you this, like, the first time I watched it, I was watching it, like, from across the room, and I didn't read the post-its 
as closely as I wish I had. Yeah. Because I feel like some of the emotional impact was taken out for me. Because then when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. This is, like, it's real. Like, it's real. And again, like, for some reason, I don't know why If I Love You, If Anything Happens, I Love You, hit me much harder than this movie. Because, again, this was a much closer trauma to me. Yeah. But I guess I've dealt with it better. And in all realness, my grandparents had... Like, my grandfather had a very long, happy life, and it it's almost a... Ro- <sighs> this sounds terrible, which this kind of goes into the end of the movie, but it is almost a relief when someone with dementia passes away. And I, I don't want to say that because I really miss my grandpa a lot, and I wish I had had many, many more yeah. years with him. Like, the fact that he will never be at my wedding, if I ever have one... Um, and my grandmother would never be at my wedding, although my grandmother did help me pick out whatever the wedding dress that I will wear at whatever wedding I have, even if I marry myself. Um, you know, that has always hurt me because my grandfather, when I was a little kid, jokingly said that he wouldn't make it to my wedding because, and I always thought that I would prove him wrong. Yeah. And so the fact that I didn't get married before he died always really hurt my feelings. Yeah. Um... But, I mean, he didn't say it, like, you know, but he said it to my cousin Megan, too, and she did get married before he died. Yeah. So, he was only a third of the way right. Yeah. Um, and my sister's engaged, so, you know, it's almost a relief, because they're in so much pain and frustration. I think, that, like, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't mean to keep cutting you off. I'm so sorry. It's, it's Sometimes it's hard with our volume. I think what got me is that, like, as your memory starts to go, like, what memories do you consider the most important and just something as um we don't think about like your mother eye your mother's eye color being something that you're so desperate to hold on to as you start to I lose mean, your memories it makes sense because yeah. the photographs were probably black and white yeah so that was something that you would have to i think the thing that always stuck out to me is my grandmother who didn't have dementia but she had had a lot of small strokes before she died so she had some memory issues but she did not have like dementia like my grandfather did um, she did, like, she remembered really old memories. Yeah. But I guess we need to finish the movie. Sorry. Yes. No, you're good. Um, you're good. You're sorry. good. Okay. Um, yeah, so we, we do have Sam, who's stuck in the passageways of the house that are whining and turning. She's getting very distressed. Um, but then we can, as Casey, uh, Kate, as Casey, as Katie said. Casey. Um, <laughs> when, um, uh, yeah, Casey, that's your new name. As Katie uh, said, when we last see Edna um, in the in the garden with with uh, Kay, that's really the last time we see Edna as Edna, because um, we see her condition starts to worsen. She's with Kay at the dinner table. She refuses to see, and then when she gets up, she wets all over herself. Um, so yes. um, Kay puts her in the bathtub, and as Kay starts to mop up uh, the pee, she notices the pee is turning black. And then the water overflows again. Uh, Edna's scratching this bruise on her chest, which has now become rotten skin. Um, it is awful mm-hmm. looking. It's terrifying. And yes. as the water overheats, it short circuits a heater in the bathroom and all the power in the house mm-hmm. goes out. Yep. And so now everyone's in the dark. Yeah. Somebody's trapped yes. in the walls. This was actually yes. one of the movies where a person trapped in the wall was actually like a good part of the movie. Whereas mm-hmm. usually it's a stupid part of the movie. But um, it was interesting. And um, Kay is trying to stop Edna from hurting herself. And instead she kind of runs away and they get separated and she comes upon her. This is probably like the creepiest part is like Edna's in a corner when Kay finally finds her. And she's like stabbing into her face with a knife. And then like she breaks a bone in her leg but snaps it back. This is when I was like, okay, this is not really happening. But it's yeah. really grossing me out. It really, it gets really gross. Um, and so now, so now Edna's like kind of violently trying to attack Kay. Uh, Sam has found a weak spot behind the the fireplace and is trying to get through that wall. Which, okay, I'm sorry, that would not be the weak spot in the wall because there would be bricks lining the fireplace. Yeah, because you would have a chimney. So I don't. That's that's a weak point in the script. But that's okay. Um, but so she she's trying to get out. Kay somehow ends up in this part of the house chasing Edna or running away from Edna. She finally finds Sam and they get through the wall together. And it's very symbolic because she she pushes Sam first. She puts her first, tries to get out. The Edna tries to pull her back in. Sam finally gets her mom out. And then Edna comes out and starts attacking them. 
And um, unfortunately, Kay has to hit her mother over the head with this pipe that Sam had been using to get through the wall. And that's probably the most heart-wrenching scene. Yeah. Or one of the most heart-wrenching scenes. Because um, she, Sam and Kay are going to leave the house. And uh, Kay goes, you go ahead. I have to stay. I can't leave her. And, and she goes she, back well, and she sees this post-it. Yeah. You can see the post-it. You can see the yeah, post-it part. The post-it. So actually it's like, it says, I am loved. And... Mm-hmm. Like, and Edna smiles. Like, she gestures to it and smiles. And, she's, and she says Kay's name. And yeah. she's kind of back to being herself and for a you, moment. But she doesn't look think, like herself at all. It's like, this moment hit me so hard because it's like, she hasn't been checked on. Her own daughter hasn't called her in three weeks. And it's like, she has to remind herself that she's loved. You know? Aww. See, I thought like, it was just a heartwarming yeah, thing. Yeah, and... Um, but- she knows that she's loved, even though her daughter hasn't checked on her, because she didn't let her daughter in on how bad she really was. Yeah, too. and then, to add insult to injury, we, like, we have discussed, we don't really know if there's something supernatural in the house. But if there is, because she's True. elder, because because she she's elderly, and because she's alone, she was, like, a victim. And it didn't matter if she was like, oh, there's weird things going on in my house. Well, she's old, and... She's probably imagining things because she's old. Because it's like they weren't checking in on her. So, yeah. I don't know. That part kind of disturbed me, too. To think That's that... Okay. Yeah, to think that this may have been going on for so long. But because she was elderly and because they, she had memory problems, maybe they didn't take her seriously, either. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Definitely. Not a good point. It's a sad point. But I think... Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And so, but Kay fully accepts responsibility, locks Sam out of the house, carries her dying mother up to her bedroom. And then this is the part that really grossed me out, because she basically strips her mom's rotting skin off to reveal this molded person. Like, it almost looks like a mummified skeleton. And, and what I thought it was is that, like, so we know Kay's recurring nightmare. Like, what I associate as her worst fear is the corpse in, in the woods. And it's like, this is coming full circle. This is her worst fear is her mother becoming that, but accepting her mother. It's one yeah, of, it's, it's, it's a, accepting it's, death. It's a fear as a child to think about something happening to your parents because we consider them invincible. Yes. But most people yeah. do live to see themselves taking care of their parents. That's just a part of life. Yes. And it's so she and then Sam comes back and like all three of them kind of just lay in bed. So presumably Edna sad, passes away, but in the arms of the people that love her. Yes. And she's like holding her daughter's hand. And that's the important thing. And Sam, you know, joins her mother and then Sam sees that there's a bruise on her mom and they don't really completely like freeze frame shock you but they're kind of like oh and i think that's supposed to be more symbolic of the fact that you know stuff like dementia is hereditary and you can only escape it so much and sam's gonna have to take care of her mom one day and you know it's a reminder and maybe they're gonna be closer as mother and daughter after going through this so but Again, that's kind of how it ends. It's an it's. I like the ending. I think it's beautiful. It is really gross when she's peeling off the skin, and I don't get grossed out that easily. But I honestly was like, oh, uh. um. So it's got some gross out moments, but it's more of a. I think it's it's probably supposed to be more symbolic. Um. And again, the author, the writer, based this on her own experiences watching her parents take care of her grandmother when she had Alzheimer's and so like it is is very honest um but there is a lot of symbol and I think she's definitely working through some stuff but that's kind of some of the best movies I mean I think Hereditary and Midsummer is like people working through their own grief through the artistic process and that's why they're such good movies is because they're honest um although I'm pretty sure no one in Ari Aster's family um tried to sacrifice anyone to payment but at least I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> this movie um, is much more like, you know, it's very dark, but it's something that a lot of people go through. And if if you don't have a parent with dementia, most people do have to eventually take care of their parents. 
you know. So, and it is a, a change in status quo of, like, almost becoming the parent to your parent. Which yeah. is, you know, frightening and, and beautiful all at once. Sam says a throwaway line, too, where she's like, isn't that the way of things? Like, your mom changes your nappies and you change her mm-hmm. nappies. And as someone who yeah. has a mother who's sick, it is not that easy. It, people, no, before you go through it, you think it's one thing. And then there is so much more. And I think I like that juxtaposition, too, of Sam being the optimist. And um, mm-hmm. Kay having to be the realist for the majority of the movie until Sam sees that anger come out of Edna. And then she's like, oh, yes. wait, it's not that easy. So, And that's very true. I think the only the, the time it really hit me was my grandpa got very frustrated and threw his cane, which I'd never seen my grandpa lose his temper ever. He was yeah. like the most calm person. Um, and that really hit me. So, yeah, it was very, very, very well done i think it's a really well done movie i do think it, they could have tightened up a little bit of it um but it's a first film and yeah. i look forward to seeing more from this director um and i think it's very strong i just hate that it came out at such a weird time for movies to come out because i feel like it maybe got lost in the shuffle um but you know i think it's good i, I don't think it's for everybody but i think it's yeah. a really good movie and if you've gone through something like this, you'll find it very honest. Um, do we have? Do you have a a rating out of ten for this one? Yeah, I think I'm actually going to give this an eight. I d- this is weird. I did too. <laughs> I think we've the had the last, last three. three. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't like. I was like, mm, so, I, it might be a seven point five, but right now it's an eight. Yeah. I think it's it might be closer to a 7.5, but I think the acting and the writing and the honesty really got an 8 for me. Definitely not a 9 or a 10. Yeah. But it is solid, and it's a well-made movie. Agreed. So I think it's worth watching. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. I rated it P for Post-its and Passageways. Oh, I like that one. Going back to this. So, cool. Okay. Cool. Okay. So... Next week is actually our 50th episode. Woo! Or our 50th, yes, our 50th episode. And we thought it would be fun. Well, it's my pick, and Brittany has agreed to do a double feature like our first episode. So it might be a little bit of a longer episode, but we're going to try to keep it not crazy long. Um, We're going to compare and contrast two movies that are the same movie. um, Suspiria 1977 and the remake, which I believe is... 2018 maybe 2016 um which came out just a few years ago and um you can definitely find the new suspiria on amazon um prime because they actually were the producers of it um but i do believe uh it's a little harder to find the old suspiria but it is haunting around the internet and um we're i think most people who are horror movie fans have probably seen suspiria 1977 um, but if you haven't, it is a masterpiece of horror cinema, as is the remake, which was 2018. Sorry, just confirmed on my phone. Um, and, um, it's a spoopy movie about a coven of witches who, um, run a dance academy in Berlin and all the creepy crawly stuff that happens. And, um, like they're very, it's the same movie. And the same story and a lot of the same characters, but it's they're so different from each other. But I think they're both brilliant. So I like they both are so good and it's very rare where you have a remake and an original that are both really good. Usually if you have a really good remake, like the original was bad or vice versa. But I think this and maybe Evil Dead are probably the only two like really good originals and remakes that are both strong, at least in the horror genre. What do you think, Brett? Yeah, um, I will be honest. It has been a hot minute since I've seen the original Suspiria. So I'm like, ah! Um, But yeah, um, I will say this. They're both different movies. They both got... What's the joke we always say? I always say to Katie, I'm like, I don't know who thought a beige Suspiria was a good idea, but hey, here we are. Like, (laughs) There's so many differences, but they're... 
I think the thing I like about these movies is they make strong choices. And they're different choices, yeah. but they're strong choices. And I think that's why it works. I will say in this both ways. it wasn't a frame by frame remake. And I can always applaud directors who did that with movies that they're just not rehashing yes. the same old thing over and over mm-hmm. again. I always can applaud those yes. decisions. So, yes, it's not psycho with Vince Vaughn. Yes. <sighs> Which apparently was maybe a big old joke. On Gus Van Sant's point. I have to look like into that. Like, it was that. maybe just a big joke. Like, I've heard rumors that he, like, jokes about, like, yeah, I did it because I fucking could and not because I was seriously trying to make could it. Could you imagine the power he... move of just doing it because you could? Like, making a whole fucking movie <laughs> just because you could? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think I think Gus Van Sant probably might do that. Because he seems eccentric enough. Yeah. To do that. I feel like Dar... Um, Dar Argento. He's dead. Sorry. Um, who is the original director of Suspiria? Um, oh shit, Darren Aronofsky might be shitty enough to do that. Sorry, he's not a bad director. He's just kind of a shitty. <laughs> he's not a bad person. He just seems like a douchebag. I'm sorry. He's probably not. He just comes off in interviews very full of himself. But I feel like he also probably would do that. He also bought the rights to Perfect Blue just because he wanted to use a bathtub sequence from it in all of his movies he also ended up using something else from perfect blue though so other than the bathtub sequence whether scene am i thinking of yeah that there's he's... something in requiem for a dream that he used that's the bathtub i don't know yeah and that was no but he uses a but there's something in black swan that he used too, oh but i feel like it yeah in black swan is because black swan it's loosely loosely based on perfect blue yeah. yeah. I think I told you the story about how I was in the bathroom after watching it the first time. And some we were talking about how it was familiar to us, like Black Swan. And this girl pops out of the bathroom. So I was like, did you know that would be Darren me. Aronofsky bought the rights to it because of that? And we were like, thank you, ma'am. She's been waiting her whole life to that, tell someone That's this. me. Are you sure I wasn't that girl in the bathroom? Like, <laughs> No, she was definitely a lot taller and a lot um, curvier than you. So, but she was, she was on it. Like, you could tell she was waiting for someone to make that comparison. Yes. So, but it was pretty funny. Like, she was, she wasn't that creepy either. It was just funny that she came out of the bathroom stall to tell us this. I was just like, what an entrance. Um, but Brittany has to go and I have to go to bed. So we're going to have to say goodnight now. Um, thank you for sticking with us for 49 episodes. Woo! Thank you. Um, to all and welcome to all our new subscribers and listeners we love you guys we appreciate you guys don't forget to wear a mask and wash your hands oh and you're in public and don't forget to get your vaccinations but apparently uh they're pausing johnson and johnson so sorry we're back to two shots guys um but um it's gonna be okay and um if you guys need anything we're always here we look forward to your comments and conversations um you know what i forgot to say last week but one of our f- most loyal subscribers and listeners clark not gonna say your last name because i'm not gonna do that to you got engaged oh a few weeks ago and i f- we forgot to say congratulations clark congratulations clark yes i think i think they so hit exciting. that on social media and then when it came out it was like yeah. what what is going on so yes. yeah clark clark that is so amazing congratulations uh that is wonderful. So, yeah, very sweet, exciting. very exciting. We still have a few movies uh, from Clark's suggestions we have to do. Yes, yes, there, there's quite a few on our list that we're gonna go. But Suspiria has been on the list since the beginning, so we're gonna knock two out with one fell swoop, and then, I, I, honestly, Clark, if you want to come on the podcast, I'm, some of them we've kind of wanted to wait until you came on. Yeah, so let us know. Um, but yeah, we love you guys and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, as always, um, this is a reminder. Uh, someone brought this up to me. Thank you for catching this. Uh, drink your water. It's a hydration reminder. Um, um, thank you again. Um, we hope as you as you join us, um, whether you're on your commit to uh, your commute to work or if you're just lounging around the house, sitting on your backyard deck, just waiting to listen to us talk. Thank you for joining us. Um, I hope you're having a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening. I hope you take um, time for yourself today. I don't. I hope you do something for yourself that makes you happy. Um, thank you for letting us be a part of your day. We are always happy to be here with you. Um, and as always, we just so look forward to seeing you um, same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. And stay spoopy, y'all. Stay spoopy, y'all. 
Have a good night, guys. <laughs> and bye, night. Katie. Love you guys. Have a good night. Till next time. Hey. Till next time. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.